Hey, this is Mike Pacquione, host of the Best Speech Podcast. I love doing this podcast. I love when I talk to guests where my reaction is, wait, what? Wait, what? Meaning, like, you're a real person? How do you do all this? You're going to hear a great version of that this episode. When I talk to Paige Marie Griffith, a.k.a. the legal page, that's Paige with an I. Paige is an entrepreneur, a lawyer. She's the founder of The Legal Page, which is a virtual law firm working with small businesses. She is a certified jurist doctor. But wait, there's more. She holds a double BA in economics and political science. Paige traded in the traditional law life for a virtual one. She opened the doors to The Legal Page in 2018. She helps her clients and online community run legal and protected businesses. Said another way, Paige is someone that you can call that will make the world of law feel less scary. Her mission is to create an online space where the law is not so scary, where entrepreneurs can get legally legit in no time. Uh, Law aside, Paige is a small town Montana girl who loves to travel, she loves her dog, and she loves a good glass of red wine. Actually, one other thing, a couple weeks after we recorded this, Paige became a mom. It's It's been fun seeing her Instagram and just seeing that transition. This episode I love because Paige told me something I never heard from someone before. So I always tell people, like, don't memorize your speech. But Paige has a photographic memory. So, yeah, that's okay with me. We also talk about her routine backstage. Uh, We talk about the importance of story and what she wishes she'd learned earlier in her speaking career. We talk about what do you do if you get lost mid-speech. And then we fulfill one of my lifelong curiosities, which is, you know, the Hollywood courtroom scenes. <laughs> How does that compare to real life? So she'll break that down for you. Paige is so great. Check this out. I am thrown off when I see that this guest, like, I'm thrown off by your real name because I just think of you as the legal page. And then once in a while, it's like, here's Paige Griffith. I'm like, Paige, oh, that's right. Uh, all right, let me, I'm going to start with a compliment. Are you ready? I'm ready. So I coach Todd, the founder of Show It, and part of that is I end up doing the coaching for their conference. So last year, Todd sent me a bunch of videos of people who had spoken in 2019, and I'm watching them, and they're all pretty good. Most of the speakers, I, I don't know if a regular audience member would notice this, but if, but to me, like I, I was just able to notice that some, most of the speakers had little things that indicated they haven't been on stage a whole lot. So little things like click to the slide and they look at the slide to make sure it came up. And then I click on Paige Marie Griffith. And this woman seems confident. She seems poised. And I'm like, who is this? Then I was fortunate enough that you were speaking again. So I got to not coach you one-on-one, but do the group coach with you. Yeah, thanks. I have like the biggest grin on my face right now. I know it's a podcast. You guys can't see me, but that was quite the compliment. Thank you so much. It was just a five-minute fuel too. It was. It was a five-minute thing, but it felt fast. You did the thing that is my favorite thing that speakers do, which which is that you actually forget that it's a speech on a stage. Like this just feels like my friend Paige. It's not a big deal. She's just telling me like these little legal things I should do for my business. I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do that? And then if you watch the video, there are all these people taking pictures of your slides because everybody gets frantic about legal things. <laughs> but it was really, really cool. And this is actually where I'd love to start. I don't know if you're going to have a great answer to this or if you've thought about it before, but seriously, watching you on stage, you are so poised. And I'm curious, where does that come from? Like, is it preparation? Is it just, well, that's how Paige goes through life? Like, 
why are you not freaking out on stage like everybody else is? Yeah, I don't know if I have the best answer for this, but I think it's a lot of past experience with speaking is for sure probably what poised me to be on that stage a little more than other people. I have a long background in high school speech and debate and then in college debate and I traveled the world on the debate team. And then in law school, I was on the moot court team and on the trial team. Uh, I honestly feel like it was law school probably where they just like grill you on the way you're speaking and the way that you present yourself. And the one thing I will say is over time, I've gotten to this point where I really like to memorize everything I say because I pretend Are like you I'm serious. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, I love, I don't re- like the past show at United. Everything was memorized. I did not have slides. I memorize everything because I like to have this experience. I had it one time in a debate tournament and then I wanted it again and again and again. And I always try to reach for it. It's this out of body, like I can be talking, but my mind is like away from it where I'm five steps ahead of what I'm actually currently talking about. So I feel like I know what's coming next, but I've already said the full length sentence or paragraph that I intended to say. And that is like the gold, the money that I try to achieve every time I speak on stage. And with that just comes lots and lots of preparation. So I'll practice my talk over and over again. And I do, you know, kind of feel like when I get on stage, it, it always changes a little bit, either my mannerisms or something that I do just as I'm interacting with the audience or walking around or however it feels when I'm on stage. But I would say, yeah, it's just a lot of, lot of back end experience and, uh, the, the history of like how I enjoyed becoming a speaker. There's a lot in there. That's super interesting to me. So first (laughs) of all, I never recommend people memorizing ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, your brain is probably better suited for that than the average person. But the reason I say that is because most pe- for most people, that's a trap. It makes you feel like you're back in school and there's a teacher in the back of the room with a red pen who's going to mark you off points. I'm guessing for you, it's actually freeing because by the time you get on, what it sounds like you're saying is by the time you get on stage, we're already good. Yeah. I mean, I have a photographic memory, like a, a decent one. What? So I know I learned. <laughs> There's a, hold on. There's such a thing as a decent photographic memory. I didn't know there were different stages. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's different stages, but like when I studied for tests or whatever, I would have to like write things down on a piece of paper because if I color coded it and put it in a specific way, I could just like file those back in my mind and remember exactly what the answer is on that piece of paper. Uh, that's when I kind of started realizing I had a photographic memory. And then for me, it's it's easier for me to see the slides in my head, like my note slides than it is for me to look down at a screen that will distract me more, uh, versus me just filing it up in my brain. Okay. So you're presenting, you're on stage. There's the little confidence monitor down in the crowd. You don't even look at that as you're advancing slides. No, I can't. It'll freak me out. I'm the weirdest speaker you've ever talked to. (laughs) No, that's, I mean, it's really good because what happens for a lot of people is in the room that isn't so obvious, it looks totally fine. And then you you watch it on video and it looks like the person doesn't know their talk. 
that's how I feel. And I think maybe that is a visual thing for me. I've seen too many people rely too heavily on those like cheat sheet monitors down below. And then when you peer down at it too much, I understand like the people who are really good at it are the ones who are just barely peering, like as they're moving from transitioning to a new topic or going from one side of the stage to the other during a story. And they're like prepping for their next, you know, big point. But for me, it's just easier to put it somewhere in my memory. <laughs> I love this so much because memory is something that doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to presenting. So you're up on stage, you're able to picture your notes. So your, mm-hmm. your highlights or post-it notes that are different colors, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I can just pull them up in my brain. Have, okay. So have you read about memory at all? Moonwalking with Einstein, any of those books? No, but now I want to. Oh yeah. This is right up your alley. Okay. I forget the author's name. I can't believe I'm forgetting it. Oh, Josh something. He wrote about the American memory championships. So there are these people who can remember like the exact sequence of cards for like five decks in a row. So they can remember exactly 10 of hearts, seven of diamonds, four of clubs. Like they can remember that exact sequence, 52 cards times six, seven, eight decks in a row. So how in the world could you do that if it's just random numbers and suits, right? But what right. they do is they assign a visual to eat. They pre-assign a visual to each card number. So when they're trying to remember it, they just compute it as a visual because people remember visuals way better than they remember words. Mm-hmm. That, that's why you can remember your notes or slides. Well, and that's why I always recommend to people, it's fine to have slides with words on them, but you'll remember it better if there's a visual like that, that will trigger your memory, memory better than here's the next slide. And I need to remember several paragraphs in a row. Even right. Though, photographic memory page might be able to do it (laughs) i'm I'm just flabbergasted that you didn't know this about me yeah i just like memorizing things it's always been my jam that is so random okay well it's not random i mean that's that's great so here's something interesting then because to me so i think most people are freaked out that they're going to forget they're going to forget they're going to forget you don't have that and yet you still are able to present in a way that is simple, you know, like you're not using these really long sentences. You're not clogging things up with jargon. Is that strategic? Is that natural? What is that? I would say it's probably more natural. I tend to have like a pause at the end of my sentences. And that comes from probably the debate experience where they always told me, finish your sentence and with a period and then begin the new one. So it helps me have that little like moment of time where I can think about what's coming next. I think if you're too concerned about your your points or everything you're trying to get across, you're easily going to cut off sentences and you're not going to have that natural transition or pause to your next point. Yeah, that's really smart. I'm glad that you got that tip. I find myself telling people that all the time. It's hard. Yeah. It's I would say it's one of one of the top issues with public speaking. Most people their period is the word um or uh. I try to tell Mine people. Mine was now. And oh, it interesting. Still is. Yeah, I use the word now a lot. I had a coach point that out to me. Now, moving on to the next topic, <laughs> and so, so I have to tell myself, don't say the word now. Think about the first word of your next sentence, and then go. Okay, so can I go back to your dream speech, the one where you had the first out of body experience? Yeah. 
do you remember how did you prepare for that? And was there something you did preparing for that? And do you just mimic that from here on out? I, I don't think it's something I could prepare for so much as it's a mindset. Hmm. Yeah. So this happened when I was in law school and I was in an oral argument for our moot court brief. And I had already done about three sessions before that in front of like mock appellate court judges. That's kind of the scenario we're dealing with here. And I had gotten a couple hiccups with the previous, you know, speaking engagements and had just firing of questions from judges because they will like interrupt you during your points. And then you have to always remember to go back to them. So that's why this was such a fascinating speaking kind of challenge for me. And this one in particular, I just remember I was, I was comfortable with the topic. I was so comfortable with the topic at hand that it was such a seamless transition for me to like go out of body, answer the question that this mock judge had asked me. And then I went like back into my topic seamlessly. Mm. And to have that happen was, it was so cool. I'll never forget how I felt after that talk. And so when, if I'm going back and I'm like dissecting it, I think it is the comfortability of the topic you're speaking on. If I know it like the back of my hand and I trust myself with that type of knowledge and expertise, then I truly feel like I'm not just talking about something frantically or frivolously for the first time. And I think that's really important too, is maybe some speakers on stage, it's like their first time talking about that specific subject. And if you're not well-versed in it, then you're going to be inherently nervous for whatever you're going to be discussing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I always do not, everyone listening, do not let the moments where you're getting on stage, do not let those be the first time that these words have come out of your mouth. Like by the time you get to stage, you should know already it's good. Absolutely. And so, I mean, one of my biggest tips now is there's just like so many online things that you can do that if you can practice or offer like your guest expertise on someone's like Facebook Live or another podcast before you actually go on stage and talk about that, even if you're, of course, like tweaking little stories or tweaking little points so that whatever talk you have on stage is of course new and fresh for the audience because that's probably what these people are paying you for. At least it's not the first time that you've like gone over these points in some fashion so that you can honestly seamlessly talk about it if any hiccups were to occur on the stage. So you're talking about a high from being on stage, looking at people, they applaud, like that's the best feeling. You also do a million webinars. There is not that same high. Yeah. No, there's not that same high. I miss in-person events. I really, truly do. I feel like for the past 18 months, I've just been nonstop online. I've gotten so accustomed to it, so used to it. I used to even prep for them. And now I can just jump on and talk about anything and everything people would want me to talk about because I'm not worried and stressed out about it anymore. Yeah. But being on stage still makes me nervous. I think if you're not shaking in your boots a little bit before you get on stage, then you're probably not supposed to be a public speaker to begin with, because it, I think it means you care. You care about the presentation that you're supposed to be giving uh, versus just 
going out there and feeling like you're king of the world and you can do everything. And then that's like, you need to check yourself from the neck up a little bit because there's some ego happening. And I don't think those people are as good of public speakers, to be honest. Hmm. Do you have a, do you have a routine backstage? Are you listening to music? Like, what are you doing? There's someone before you, you're next up. What are you doing? I'm going through all of those slides in my head, just like a memory, like you would kind of before a test. You could tell I'm such an academic. It's kind of annoying my answers to your questions. Uh, and then I do like the power superwoman pose. You know, they always say oh, the like Amy Cuddy you, stuff. Yeah. 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 If you do that before you jump on anything, before you enter a room, before jump on stage, before you have some big thing that you're trying to accomplish, you will inherently be better at it because you are filling yourself with a bunch of confidence. And I like to kind of honestly just take a purview of what I'm getting myself into. So I like to watch the speaker in front of me if possible to kind of see their movements, to really like track what the stage is looking like, to track where the audience is, maybe in my mind to like point out where, like to think about where I'm going to look just all of the things that I can do that would make me less nervous or less likely to miss a point on stage. It's so good because what you're doing is you're visualizing success. Like this is part of the reason why you're able to get out there and feel confident. Yeah, I guess we kind of dissected it. That's definitely it. I like to visualize a very, very successful talk on stage. Yeah. I don't know when this would take place in your life because you've you've been speaking for so long if we're going back to debate and things like that. But if you were starting your speech career over, what would you do differently? Hmm. Well, that's hard because I've been trained in various types of speaking and getting into like creative or emotional speaking on stage or at conferences where you're pumping people up or you're trying to give them like a one through five, you know, bullet point list and tactical advice is much different than the training that I had when I was <laughs> debating right, about right. a topic. Uh, so if I were to go back, I think integrating, understanding the integration of stories in speaking engagements would be vital to my success in terms of not having to learn that later on because I didn't truly understand the power of stories. And Mike, like when you were teaching us for show at United, I mean, you, you consistently like pointed out, well, Paige has an easy way <laughs> of bringing in stories. Cause I don't, I don't remember the level of stories that you tell, like there's different types of stories, but mine are always like, I can just use the scare tactic story. And it's really sad that I can always use that, but that's what people want to hear from me. Like, what are the crappy situations that people have gone through legally sticky situations and give them kind of the business horror story show. And I always try to make it fun. And like, I'll joke as I'm telling this story and people will laugh where I'll be like, don't do that. And then I'll get to my point. But for me, it was an easier transition into legal speaking because I, I have so many like files of stories that I could bring up right. from past client situations. And I guess I didn't truly understand that the more and more I have reviewed people's speeches on stage, the best ones are the ones that tell the best stories. Totally. 
That, uh, that's such, that's so insightful. So that leads to another question I was going to ask you. When I've done workshops for legal departments, I, I always remember this one woman brought it up. She, we were like about to go to lunch. Everybody's tired. Hand raises in the back of the room. And everybody's like, oh, why she has to, you know, like there's a little grumbles. And then she asked the question that everybody wondered, which is, she's like, we work in legal. When people hear that we're coming to present, it's a downer. How can we make it fun? I feel like you have made it fun. Yeah, I'm, that's like my whole goal. <laughs> how do you how do you inspire people when your speech is basically don't do this, don't do that? Yeah, I think there's a way of starting out with either the I I switch it up. I either do the point and then the story, or I'll do the story and then the point. And I don't ever do it one way or the other. It just kind of depends on how the talk is flowing or if if I need to follow it up with like, this is why this is important. Let me explain this scenario to someone. Uh, I, I think honestly, lawyers are just boring humans. I don't know. That's like my best answer to this. They are, they're boring. They're flat. They're monotone. Uh, I also have a performing arts background. So I grew up like in the theater. That was like my jam in like elementary, middle school, high school. Uh, I went to performing arts camp. And so I feel like I was able to marry those two pretty well where I could use some of my performing arts and be a little bit more vivacious on stage and twist stories into jokingly funny situations <laughs> where everyone can relate to it. I always make sure it's not like a one single, I think this is an issue with lawyers is they're like this one scenario happened that right. would really only happen 0.5% of the time. So you don't actually need to worry about it. And they just kind of forget that if you just are using a commonplace example that everyone can nod their head to legally speaking or business wise, because I talk to a lot of small business owners, every, everyone has all of those things that could potentially come up. And so I try not to make it super niche down of a story and a little bit more broad so it's applicable to everyone. And then, yeah, I mean, you got to be funny, but potentially... <laughs> It's because lawyers are not. Lawyers are not and, funny. Yeah. Uh, I have seen some really good lawyers talk, though. I mean, to, I worked for a federal judge, and some of the best trial attorneys were the ones who could intertwine some personality in their talks. When, when you watch a movie and there's, like, the Matthew McConaughey character that gives this awesome, inspiring ending, do you... Or, sorry, closing argument. Closing argument, yeah. Do you get mad because it's not realistic or is that, or do you applaud that? I think it's good. I mean, it's dramatizing the courtroom. Uh, but I, honestly, <laughs> trial attorneys do things differently. There's some that are just boring, monotone, get to the point, here's the jury instructions kind of closing. And then there are some people who are just naturally more performative in their closing arguments. So it's not necessarily that it's fake, like the Matthew McConaughey closing argument yeah. on a television series, you know, big screen drama. 
I don't know. I kind of am just like, I don't, that would never happen. You would never like sit on the post of a jury box, for example, <laughs> the half wall that never, you can't do that. You can't get that close to the jury. They, that would not be fly in court. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Yeah. Like look them in the eye. Yeah. You like sit there yeah. and yeah, the whole like, and then they like, yeah. you know, zoom in on all of the different <laughs> jurors and what they're thinking <laughs> I could dress them by first name. Marty, last year when you were in Chicago, what if this had happened to you? Yeah. Well, but in in court, why would someone not try to be, I don't mean inspirational like Matthew McConaughey, but why would you not try to end on a high note? Is it just not their personality? Yeah, it's also like you're you're dealing with a legal case that has elements. Like mm. the whole the only thing you're trying to do is direct the jury to look at the elements of X law that they broke or whatever civil violation. And then you're trying to argue like we hit all these elements or if you're the defense, there are holes in the case and this element has not been proved. I mean, that's literally, it's so black and white. So I think they can be black and white because it's clear to the jury if you are. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I, just, I do always remember, like, some of the legal people have been really fun. Other people have used pursuant in a sentence as if that's the way regular people talk. Oh, or, yeah, regarding, pursuant yeah. to, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, yeah that's funny. Pursuant yeah. to your diagram slide. I'm like, pursuant? <laughs> yeah, you could just say, if you remember, when we looked at the diagram, yeah. Maybe that's also part of it, too, is I potentially just speak in more, like, nomenclature. Yeah. everyday language you're more of a normal person let's just (laughs) that's what it is mike i'm just more normal well you just speak more normally i think that's why your instagram is funny like you just do it you do a really good job with that and i'm being sincere thanks so now that i've done that to be myself (laughs) let me ask you a harder question okay have you ever botched a speech like just total screw up i've botched like go, like miss points or I'll forget a story and I like will go on to the next one. I would say I don't do it as frequent anymore. I think my confidence has gone up and that just is obviously the natural progression of like, if your confidence goes up, your speaking abilities are going to go up. I don't think I've like just bombed on stage though, yeah. <laughs> like walked off or during a webinar, but sometimes I I can't like nothing comes to mind where I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I totally lost my spot. Hold on everybody. I am someone who will mask it. I'll like just go to the left field, even though I was supposed to go to the right field and then somehow I'll work my way back (laughs) to center field and then go, you know, to the right field that I was supposed to go to. Uh, I, I'm pretty good at BSing my way to success. I feel like it's, you know, fake it till you make it kind of motto. What's like a tip for that though? Like I just rambled and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm rambling. I'm in left field. I'm supposed to be all the way over there. I don't know if I have a tip. Uh, I don't I don't know if I have a tip for that one. I've never done it to that extent. I did. Okay. I did just see someone though on stage do this. And I thought it was interesting is they kind of just took responsibility for, Oh crap. That was point number four. I totally missed point number two. 
well, we're all human. Let's go back to point number two, shall we? And so just kind of owning it That's awesome. would, would be a good tip. Uh, I don't know if I've ever done that specifically, but I liked the way that they did it on stage recently at a conference I was at in July. And I thought it was just, it was seamless. Like it took 20, less than 20 seconds to transition to what they were actually supposed to be talking about. Yeah. And that is the confident thing too, because there's a way of doing that where you sound totally freaked out and intimidated by the audience. And there's another way of doing it. That's just, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot this. Hold on. I'm sorry, y'all. Let's go back to point two. Yeah. I think also a good tip is, whoa, I just got off on a deep tangent there. I hope that was helpful. Let's go back to what we were supposed to be talking about and kind of making it into a joke because everyone can relate to the fact that you're just off on some storyline that you're just really deep in the trenches on. Like People do that all the time. Right. But if you keep going in that direction and you don't fess up to it or bring it back, it actually makes the audience feel kind of dumb, right? Like I've been in the audience where I get to the end of that. I lean to the person next to me and I'm like, did you get that? You know, and and I want, I want support that it didn't make sense, which like, that's not how you want the audience to feel. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. I would say do it sooner rather than later. Right. Like if, if you can tell that you're going off on a tangent, you could just be like, I digress. Anyway, let's get back to the yeah. point. I would say that would make an audience member feel a lot better because I've gotten there too, where I'll totally whisper in someone's ear, they're off topic right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like that. this doesn't make sense, right? It's not just me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Paige, three last questions. Every guest gets asked these questions. Number one, have you, this is precursor to question one. Have you given a commencement speech? No, but that would be my life goal. Okay. So what would you want to talk about? You're, you're assigned to present, you're giving a commencement speech. You've got 15 minutes. What are you talking about? Every day of your life gets better and better. (laughs) Like you think that these years are going to, are the best years right now, but think back to high school. You thought that with high school and just, and like telling them how like each stage of life is going to get better and better and better. But see, I have to wait till I'm like 50 or 60 to give this type of talk. (laughs) Um, But I remember that in college, like college was just great. And it's such a good period of time where I'm guessing we're talking about college. Yeah. 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 So just remember each day you're going to learn something more. You're going to like build your character more. And it's going to get better and better and better from here. This is only like the beginning. I think that'd be a sick commencement speech. And then you can like bring in stories of like, I thought that this was the end and like, this was not a good stage of my life, but then like, this is how it got better either the next day or the next season of life. I love it so much. I remember it's funny. I haven't thought about this in a long time. I remember graduating and everybody's like, oh, the best four years of your life. I'm like, oh, that was like an eight out of 10. Yeah. Like, do I peak in an eight? <laughs> no, thankfully. Also, I like actually truly didn't like undergrad as much as I liked law school, loved law school. And then also, I don't know, just kind of knowing how the past like six to eight years have gone so far. I always just thought, oh, this is not going to be as good as these other times. And if you just look at it with a different perspective, I think. Yeah. 
And that best... would be good for college students to hear. Gosh, and the last line is just the best is yet to come, and you walk off, and people would be like, "Whoa!" Yeah, you could you could pull some sick quote from somebody and walk off. Um, that wasn't a speech about responsibility and being the future. Like that was about enjoyment. Yeah, that's a good topic, Paige. Yeah, enjoying life. Yeah, I the the ones that are like overdone are you're gonna do great things. You're gonna like change the world and do all this stuff. But I think that comes with accepting the fact that life gets better and better and better versus mm-hmm. like staying in the trenches of what was me right now. That's so good. Okay. <laughs> we would love to hear a speaking tip from you. Something that's like, you're actually giving a tip. So it's not, Hey, make better eye contact, but what you had a chance to give someone a tip that is a bit more unique from your personality. What would that be? Voice inflections. I would say are my biggest tip. If you are constantly speaking at like the tone I'm speaking at now, there's, there's nothing really to direct your audience to. And I think that's my performative arts and like experience from the past is I like to use body expressions and voice inflections to really bring in everyone to my talk and to transition them. And I like to laugh on stage. I like to literally pretend like I'm talking to a friend about a story and it gets really, really exciting at certain points. And then I'm like, okay, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to where we need to go. So those voice inflections are, I would say my biggest tip. Like if you can focus on those, I think also it just makes your talk more fun and engaging Hopefully that's a decent tip for people to focus on versus just like don't miss the points or don't miss the introduction. Don't miss the story at the end to wrap it up with a bow. Like sometimes your talks can just be really, really good if you have an animated voice and body on stage. Are you kidding? That's like the best tip, especially for all the people who are presenting virtually right now or doing webinars. Every webinar is boring because it's like, (laughs) I'm excited to talk to you today about I 100% agree, Mike. And I just did like a couple webinars last week. Uh, I am like soon to be a new mom. And so we're like pushing a bunch of stuff in this month. And so I'm having like back-to-back podcasts and back-to-back webinars. And to still consistently get feedback that my webinars are like so informative and so engaging. And also, I think that that is a necessity for me because my topics can be a little bit in one year, out the other, people can get really bored, legalese glaze over their eyes. Yeah. So if I don't make it fun and exciting, I, I'm going to lose them. And so I feel like I have to do that all the time when I'm talking. So good. All right. Last thing, you get to leave us with a story. So this can be a story from anywhere in life. doesn't have to be related to speaking. Give us a story page. Okay. This is a speaking story. It's one of one of my favorites. It was also kind of a sad story, honestly. It's not that sad. Um, so I, this is moot court. My, th- Wait, what is that? okay. So moot court is like appellate court level. So there's art. You've, it's a mock situation in law school. So you're presented with a case. The case has already gone through the first level of court. So a, some judge has decided this issue. So you have what they've done and then you're appealing it to the next court, essentially saying they did this wrong. 
they, you know, decided this or interpreted this law wrong or they did it right, depending on the side that you're given. That's moot court. So we're like technically an appellate court level on a federal case. So there's always like your district court, your appellate court, and then you go to the Supreme Court. It's just three levels in federal, you know, jurisdiction. So in law school, it's obviously fake, but usually it's based off of like a real life case or situation. And then they just kind of change some of the facts. This one was an SEC case and it was all about like transactions and embezzlement and like this person like trading things either, you know, did they fraudulently trade or did they not? That's kind of the topic we're dealing with here. And I had worked so hard. You also have to write a big brief. So part of this competition is speaking and part of it is writing. So like literally the bread and butter of being an attorney. And we, my team and I had gotten first place in the brief. Like we were top of the crop, like had to do really well with speaking in order for us to like qualify and move on. And the coolest part was, is is this had never happened at a competition before where, um, usually it's very much like a round Robin, like you can be placed in different brackets and both of our teams from this, like the school that I went to the university of Montana were in different brackets and we both ended up winning our sections. So the finals was both of us going head to head together. Grizzlies. Yeah. 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 Grizzlies. (laughs) So Um, I, by that point, like our, our coach had always like told us certain things surrounding, you know, how we were doing and how we were scoring with our speaking and all of that. And I had been doing very well. This is like the the reason, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we talked about in this podcast. Like I, I had that out of body experience, like during this competition, So I just felt like I was in my groove, in my jam, and I was doing really well speaking on this specific topic in front of like actual judges who are now (laughs) firing questions at you. And I was like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do in life. Like, I've got this. I'm doing so well. But because we were in the finals against the same school, they had a coin flip on who would go first. And there was three people on each team. And only two spoke, depending on the side that you were given. Uh, So the coin flip is like, are you the prosecution or are you the defense? And the person who won the coin flip got to decide. And they won the coin flip. (laughs) And the the whole point of the story is like, you can just think you're almost there and you're going to get it. And then it just goes poof immediately in front of you. The other team strategically knew that myself and this other, there was three of us on the team and two of us were scoring very, very, very highly in the orator category. And in order for us both to not be the two speakers, they had to knock one of us out. And so they chose I don't even know if it was prosecution or defense, but they chose the side where I wouldn't be speaking and the other third person on our team had to do their portion of it. And so I didn't get to talk in the finals and I just had to sit there and watch everyone do it. And the other team won and they got to go to nationals and it's forever like this life lesson of 
you think you almost have it and it can just be like kind of taken away from you so fast. But I feel like it's a life lesson of that's okay. And we were like one of our, you know, our team was still able to go. It just like both of us weren't able to go and uh, it's that's my story for you on a speaking situation where so you, you can tell like it was ripped out of me you can tell i've seen too many legal dramas because i in my head you were going to then prepare that third person and like yeah i was <laughs> like this is what tips. you need to do and this yeah. is and i just remember sitting there and it was like all the top judges in montana were there on the finals like we had people from the supreme court that mm. were pretending to be the judges and i i mean it was like your third year of law school and it's like the one time you just want to like the whole school was there watching too. It was so cool. And like all kinds of attorneys from the city were there. And it was the one time I didn't get to <laughs> like do my jam, do what I'm supposed to do and show everyone like my skills. And I just sat there with my suit on and watched everyone. So that's you my story. You couldn't speak. You couldn't do anything. No. You Only couldn't write on a yellow legal pad and pass it over. No, it wasn't that kind of like everyone was like basically prepared because we had prepared for months oh, for this man. like regional competition. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll just never forget it. I'll never forget how I felt in that room and just truly feeling like down on yourself. Mm. But at the end of the day, like we still won best brief and like our team still got to go to nationals, which was cool. Just the other half of the team. And it was it was just a good life lesson for me. I don't. So yeah, I'm such a type A Enneagram three, like achieve, achieve, achieve person. And it was cool to kind of have to like take the back seat. And that's just like what life can throw at you and how the cookie crumbles sometimes. So, so what is the life lesson though? That sometimes the thing you want the most isn't the thing that you're like fated to get, mm. I would say, because it was, it was a coin flip. Can I make one minor suggestion to that story? I don't know if you're ever going to use it on stage. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to use it on stage. Um, I would I would add a little bit of drama to the coin flip part where you probably don't remember if they called heads or tails, but just make it up. Well, no, I would just I would just like and the moment I would add a sentence, use your own page way of phrasing it, but it's like and in the moment they called tails, my life changed. Uh, that might be a little too dramatic, but the moment that they called tails, my legal life changed or something. No, that yeah. sounds like you got arrested, but something like that. Yeah. And then you can tie it back together at the end with the life lesson. I like that, Mike. See, yeah. this is why you're a speaking coach. I know. Well, this is a, that was a story I have never talked about ever. I don't know why it came up right now <laughs> on this podcast. So there you go, you guys. This is why Mike is good at what he does. He can take it. any story and turn it into something that you can talk <laughs> about on stage and a valid send off CTA for everyone. There we go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Paige, you're so good at this. Thank you so much. Hey, real quick, where can people find out more about you? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. This was really fun. I didn't have to like go through a bunch of legal points. I just got to talk about speaking, which <laughs> I love to do. Uh, it's, I know, a fear of way too many people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, Not of me. I truly enjoy it. You guys can find me speaking on many different platforms. So I'm the legal page. I don't, you know, beat around the bush here. It's the legal P-A-I-G-E dot com. I'm on Instagram, the legal page, Facebook, the legal page. You can really just find me anywhere. 
Uh, and yeah, feel free to reach out. We've got lots of free legal resources. That's the whole point of the business that I built. And then we also sell a lot of good contract templates. And then, uh, as Mike said, I also own a law firm where I work with clients one-on-one as well. So kind of two separate businesses there. I don't know how you do all this and you're going to be a mom soon. Good golly. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to work either. Lots and lots of help. Hmm. You're going to do great. Paige, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks. All right, friends. This has been another great episode of the Best Speech Podcast. Again, our guest today, thank you very much to Paige Marie Griffith, aka The Legal Page. I've been your host, Mike Pacchione. The Best Speech Podcast is lightly edited by Alicia Otieno. Music by Jonah Ramey. Thanks so much, friends. Do good things out there.